Good morning, church. What a blessing to be here. Happy New Year. Uh, I wasn't here last week to welcome in our new year. Uh, there's a lot of, anybody besides me got uh, sniffles, a little bit of a sore throat, some sinus issues. So they've been talking about this across the country. You know, we got RSV, we got COVID, we got flu, we got this. You know what we call it in Louisiana? January. We live with it, right? It's what happens when you live in a place not fit for human habitation. <laughs> and yet here we are. So welcome home. <laughs> uh, to all you that are out there watching, we appreciate you. Um, the Bible says we don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. When one of us crosses over and awaits the great resurrection. Uh, my old buddy Bob Dankelson did that this week, one of my mentors, another one of my mentors, and I uh, just wanted to mention that. I know his funeral's this afternoon here, I think at 2.30, visitation's at 1, but just wanted to, man, just say thank you to the Danielson family and for the light that Bob was in, in my life. He was one of my instructors. He was an elder here uh, for many years. He worked with We Care, sharing the gospel all around the country, uh, a great man of God and deserving of honor and praise for his life. He was our go-to guy for knowing all the world religions. I mean, that man knew. So a lot of times you'd be in a Bible study with somebody, he gave us a lot of great intel. So going to miss him, uh, but look forward to hearing that laugh again in the resurrection. He is definitely one of my favorite Yankees ever. So we'll see you lay on the road, Bob. So I had a flashback this morning. I came in, I saw our scripture reader, uh, Dash Bannister, and it took me back to a, a workout room at ULM and the activity center. Believe it or not, I used to work out back in the day. And uh, there was a skinny blonde girl that was in our house church. And so obviously I was looking out for her. And there was a guy that looked just like this guy that's coming up to read our scripture uh, that began talking to that girl. And now all these years later, their 17-year-old son's reading our scripture. So what a blessing. Dash, come up, share our scripture today. Psalm 103 is where we're going to be in the book of Psalms. You look just like your dad did back then. Yeah. I'm sure you're better, though. Praise the Lord, O my soul. On my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies all your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, brother. How about a hand for Dash? Super excited about uh, this new series. Uh, it's called The Renewed Life. It's going to be from the book of Psalms. And as Spencer mentioned in our announcement videos, we really want to encourage you guys to, guys to read through the Psalms with us. That's a great way to start the new year. Lisa's been listening to the whole Bible uh, this year, which a lot of you are doing that as well. But just add Psalms in uh, to that as well. We're also going to be talking about the life of David uh, throughout uh, this series as well. Uh, because to know the song is to know the songwriter. And there's a lot of great stuff there. So we're going to have some uh, videos along the way. And we're going to have one right now uh, of some renewed lives right here from our church family. So, guys, if you would fire off that first video. I am Betty Ward Cooper. I'm from a rural community in uh, of Franklin Parish, 
the town of Wisner, Louisiana. And I love that place. I'm so thankful for this faith heritage that they gave us. They didn't give us the wealth, the, you know, financial wealth, but they gave us the spiritual wealth. Some of the things that were difficult from my young life, uh, way back in my early school years, um, at a young age, we had to work, and we had to miss school. And and uh, I remember crying every time I had to miss school. Not only did we farm our own land, but we, we had to work, you know, other property as well, other farms as well, to make ends meet. But I, I just remember that was tough for me. I, I cried often when I had to miss school. And uh, But at the same time, I graduated from high school as a valedictorian. So, you know, God just made it all work even then. And, um, and then I was able to uh, go to college. I attended the University of Louisiana at Monroe and, and graduated in three years. Uh, praise be to God. And and um, and also, <clears throat> as, a, as a college student, it's always that uh, uh, financial uh, problems you have. And so I had to get a job and, and go to school at the same time. And, and uh, I developed skill sets because I was a, a dorm proctor. I had to, to oversee the people in the dormitory, so developing management skills even back then. So, you know, taking a negative, and you can, and, and the Lord helps you, in, it makes it a positive. And it's always been, you know, um, the, the, the racial issue that we have to deal with. And the schools were newly integrated, and, and uh, there were some struggles there. And, uh, you know, having faith and uh, staying focused knowing that God was with me through it all, made all of the difference. And, um, you know, I, and that was a positive, able to work with different cultures, you know, and, um, and that's benefited me to the day. Because we, you learn to, to see the good in everybody. And, uh, and, and then you, you tend to value differences. Other people have good ideas too. You know, I became an educator. I, I feel it. I feel that it's a calling on my life from God. I really do. And I just think it's one of the greatest ways that I can give back, being able to educate minds, teach minds, um, uh, develop minds. And I uh, am passionate about teaching. And even though I've retired now for seven years, teaching is still taking place. I'm thankful when the Spirit of God led me when I was lived in West Monroe, Louisiana. He, uh, he led me to this church, White Ferry Road Church of Christ, and here in West Monroe, Louisiana. And I tell you what, it's it one of the best decisions that I made. And I'm glad I followed the Spirit's lead there. And it's made a difference. Uh, me and my family, we've gone through some the same struggles of life, no doubt most of you have gone through. And uh, they've been right there for me and my family. And um, that's never changed. And love, love, uh, you know, love of God 
love of family, love of your church family, you know, I have it I have it pretty good. There's one uh, there are many verses, but to pick one, I, I think about this verse, Isaiah forty thirty one. And I, I <clears throat> in my when I worked in my work days this this scripture was in a frame displayed in, in the in my office. And it's Isaiah forty thirty one. And let me just turn to that. <clears throat> And, and, and the reason it is uh, so special to me is because of the hope that I have and that comes from the God of hope. And it's because of hope that I've been able to, to do all I've done over all of these years. You know, and as I've read the word, I, I've learned who, who God is, who Jesus is, who the, who the Spirit is. And 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 it's all and, and it's given me such great hope. And so I like this scripture because it uses that word. It says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So that just sums it up for me. My hope is in the Lord. And he never fails. He keeps all of his promises. So all of the running and walking I do, all of the living, moving, and being I do, you know, I wanted to glorify him because I know why I was created. I wanted to uh, glorify him in every way. I am Betty Ward Cooper. I am living a renewed life in Christ Jesus. She's great, isn't she? Man, one of my favorite people. Did you hear her story? Uh, For those of you young people, Google sharecropping. That's the life she was talking about growing up in and how difficult it was in rural North Louisiana. And she cried when she couldn't go to school because she had to go work in fields. But but did you notice the positive? She said, but I learned skills and I learned things that would help me along the way. When she mentioned how difficult it would be for racial integration after segregation, she was right in the middle of it in the Deep South. Did you hear what she said? I learned about unity and different people and diversity. When she talked about her family struggles, she talked about the love of family, the love of God, and the love of her church family right here at WFR. Our theme verse really for the whole series is Psalm 1-3. The person who is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. That's what I think of when I think of Betty Ward Cooper, who, by the way, is running for mayor now, you know, just in her spare time of Monroe. So if you live in Monroe, be sure and vote for Betty. Are you telling people who to vote for? Yeah. If you're a, if you're a tree planted by the water and the streams of living water of Jesus Christ, you got my vote. 
life renewal is never too late. Many people are here today and they're seeking a renewal in their life. It's never too late. But what I love about Betty's story is it's also never too early to be that tree planted by the water. I want to start early. I I wanted that for my children, and I want that for my grandchildren. I want that to grow into something fantastic that blesses the lives of other people. And that's really what the Psalms are about. You know, the Psalms are basically the psalm book or the hymnal for the Jewish nation. And it's really attributed more to David. Almost half of the Psalms are attributed to him, although he probably wrote more. And even the other ones, Asaph, the sons of Korah, Solomon, the other contributions, most are attached to David. Moses, of course, wrote one of my favorites, Psalm 90. There's some others. There's 40 that are unmarked. They're written like the books of the Torah. They're in five books. And so we're not doing a structured study all the way through, but I really want to encourage you because there's so much depth, so much emotion. And as emotional beings, We need that, right? It's not all intellect. It's not all knowledge. Sometimes it's about feeling and understanding who God is. And as I said, it's about knowing the songwriter. That's why we're going to talk about the life of David as well. A few years ago, Lisa and I were up in Franklin, Tennessee. We were over at Joe and Alice Beam's house and some good friends of ours. And they had these three songwriters come in, some people they had helped in counseling. And I didn't know the songwriters, but when they began performing and talking about the songs, I knew every one of them. They were some of the most famous country songs ever sung. Because you always associate the song with the performer, but it's the songwriter that had the inspiration. And to hear those guys talking about those songs that I had heard performers sing, but it was out of the heart of that songwriter, which made it special. And so that's what we have in the amazing life of King David, an amazing man, a flawed man like all of us, but an amazing man with an amazing heart. David was commissioned as just a a young lad, teenager, and we read about that in 1 Samuel 16. Some of you may remember the story. Uh, Saul is the king of Israel. He's a disaster. And the reason why is because God didn't pick him. The people did, but they picked him for all the wrong reasons. He was a head taller than everybody else. They looked around him. They saw nations that had a king, and they wanted a king, and so they picked the wrong guy, and it turned out to be disastrous. And so God knew that, so he sent Samuel the prophet to the town of Bethlehem to anoint the true king, the one that he chose. And so he shows up there. And Jesse, who's the father, brings his seven sons out. And they go through a big show. And the first thing that happens is Samuel sees the oldest, Eliab, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. Because he was looking through the same eyes Israel did. All the wrong things. Man, that's a good-looking man. He's strong. He's tall. He's strapping. He's tall, dark, and handsome. God said, nope. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The heart. Man, that's a statement that has stood up across the ages. Does that not describe social media and everything else in 2024? 
people looking at the outward appearance and not the heart. It takes time to understand the heart of people. But God knew. So it was one after the other. Number one, number two, number three. We got to number seven. Nope, 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 nope. So Samuel's thinking, why am I here? And so he asked Jesse, he said, you got any more sons? Well, you know, we got the youngest. He's out in the fields taking care of the sheep. That tells you something about how David's family felt about him. He didn't even get invited to the sacrifice. So there was something about him that his family, we're going to see this the next chapter as well, in 1 Samuel 17 when he goes up against Goliath. They didn't like him. They didn't think he had what it took. And I think about that. You saw that with Joseph and his brothers and family. You see it with Jesus and his family. It made me think about it. You know, sometimes in our family, we look at somebody and think, oh, this is the one that's going to carry the torch right here. Well, you might want to take a second look because it may be the one you didn't invite. Because God knows the heart. And that's what happened here. So, well, we got this youngest one. He's out tending sheep. And the Bible says he was ruddy, which means red, fair-skinned, handsome, light-complected, different. He didn't look like his brother's. Maybe that's why they had him out in the field, because he looked different. God said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And boy, was he ever the one. So he had a commission from God at an early age. But he also had a covenant. There's a lot of stories in between that we'll talk about in this series. And this covenant comes from Second Samuel chapter 7. I've read it in a recent lesson because it's very prominent at the end of Jesus' life as well on earth. And this is Nathan to David from God. Here's what he said. The Lord declares to you, 2 Samuel 7:11, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, up until this point, David could have been thinking like any other king would think. That would be his physical sons in secession, which is what happened. But God was talking about something else. God was talking about something greater. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He made a forever covenant with David. And this kingdom would be way bigger than Israel. I will be his father. He will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. You said, we, he can't be talking about Jesus because he said when he does wrong. Jesus never sinned, right? He never did anything wrong. But he took on our wrongs, all of them. And he was beaten and flogged. And our iniquities were inflicted on him. You know, so many people say, well, why did it have to be so gruesome for Jesus? I mean, he was innocent, and he just took that terrible flogging and beating right to the edge of his life. Why? Because of us. He took our iniquities on him. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. 
Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. The kingdom, forever kingdom, through the lineage of David, but appointed by God. And I love David's response. King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I? Who am I to get this? Man, that's the king I want to follow. Not the guy who has all the power and authority and says, hey, look at me. I've deserved this. This is my turn to shine. David said, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for the human race. That's why David had a heart that God loved. He saw that this was bigger than him. This was bigger than Israel. God was going to save the entire human race through this kingdom. And we're still a part of that today. So he had a commission. He had a covenant. But what really made him special, as I just read, is he had a connection to the Christ. He would say this in Psalm 110. The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, who is that? Well, Jesus says in Luke 20, that was him. So David has one of these time paradigms. This is what they make Chris Nolan movies out of. He's living way back here when he's living, but he understands that he has a Lord that's going to come after him. How do you do that? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And Jesus would remark that he was talking about him. Now, what he's about to say, all of Israel through the years thought that this meant there was going to be a great insurrection whenever Jesus came to the earth and Israel was going to be in charge and then they were going to be in charge from now on on the earth. People are still waiting for that. Here's what he said. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on the day of your battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. And they were, they were ready. Remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed? Peter pulled out that sword and they said, now we are ready. Let's take this thing. You'll call down some angels and we'll take over and we'll establish this kingdom forever. And the throne is going to be right here in the temple. And and they missed it. It was never about insurrection. It was about sacrifice and the resurrection. And it would be forever. That's why he said this. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. How could it be a priest? I thought this was a king. He's both king and priest. And the sacrifice is himself. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the days of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead, crushing the rulers of the whole earth. And people saw that as warfare, but it was really just triumph. Because nations will rise and fall, but the kingdom of God is forever. We live on. Then he said this, the one who grants secession will set him in authority, and so he will lift his head high. He didn't have to wait for the lineage, even though you can read about the lineage, Matthew 1, Luke 3. He didn't have to wait for the lineage. You know why? He was appointed by Almighty God. 
He chose to come here. He chose to become one of us. He chose to be our king and priest and prophet for all eternity. And the good news is he's also our brother. Man, what a deal. Do you see why David's life is such a big deal? So I wanted to share a little bit out of Psalm 1 today because David sets us up. We don't know that David wrote Psalm 1. It's one of those unattributed, but most scholars think he wrote it. But he says something here that's powerful. And I think about this compared to our testimony we heard from from Betty. He kind of gives us a blueprint to a renewed life. And here's what he says, Psalm 1.1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers he starts out with relationships your closest relationships the people you hang with the people you want to be around and he says something remarkable he says you don't walk with the wicked you don't stand in the way of sinners coming to him and you don't sit in the company of mockers Walking, standing, sitting. Pretty much any way you want to roll, he says you got to do it different. You can't do it in the world. How can you soar like eagles if you run around with turkeys, right? Not going to happen. How can you lead people to light if you block the light with your own shadow? If you live like they do. How can you build on the rock if all you do is sit around and mock? And that's social media in a nutshell in our era. People behind fake names mocking. I can tell you what my years of experience in ministry have shown me through the years. People that don't choose God and choose evil turn into great mockers. They love to mock what is good and right and holy. And the psalmist says, you can't do that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. And that's true, is it not? I look back at my own life, the period of time when I was following the evil one instead of God. And so many relationships that were in my life were so bad. But they were bad because of me. I was blocking the ways of sinners. I was walking in the midst of those who did not love God. And I mocked God on a regular basis and many in this church from inside this church. I've told you before I was so offended when the guy I was running around with, his mom called my mom. I was a teenager. And said, you know what, I just don't think the boys are good for each other. I just don't think your son is a good influence on my son. And I was so offended when mom told me that. Because I thought, I'm at least a fake Christian. This guy didn't proclaim anything. You talking about arrogant. She was exactly right. I was the guy that the psalmist says, don't be that guy. And you know the saddest part of it all, for me personally, is that's when I met my wife. And instead of being someone who showed her the ways of God, who showed her a pathway out, it was my shadow that darkened her life that would cause me and her deep pain for many years until the Lord worked it out.
we don't live this passage, we pay the price. He said, but, verse 2, those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. You change those relationships, it puts you in now to truth, your core truth of who you are. And, of course, in the day when this was written, all there was was the Torah, the law. But now we know there was the Old Testament, the history after that, and the prophecies. Later there were the gospel stories of Jesus, and then the New Testament epistles. What we have now is the Word of God that was written by the Holy Spirit that now lives in us. And the psalmist said in Psalm 119, that's sweeter than honey. And Psalm 19 says it's greater worth than gold. To delight, which means pleasing and satisfying and joyful. To meditate, which means to weigh carefully, to think about purposefully, to live. That's what he calls us to. That's what changes us. That's what changed me. And then he said, the verse I already read in verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water who yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. It goes from your closest relationships to your core truth to now your creative life. And look, you don't have to create. Well, that's all this pressure. I need to create. I need to be this. I need to be that. No. You just need to let the Holy Spirit do what he was planted to do in you. He's the creator, and your life will flow, and people will see it, and they will love you, and they will love Jesus. Rooted, strong, refreshing, fruit-bearing, alive, blessed, natural. That's what we're called to. This series in Psalms is about us living a life that lets Christ do what he does best, and that's live in us. But you got to make a choice. you got to pick a side. In verse 4 it says, Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So we have a choice to make. And we have to really make it every day. But sometimes we have to make it that first time to leave bad relationships, to leave what has not been truthful, to leave a pathway that is not in Christ, and to become like him. Those verses talk about temporary, that which the wind drives, dry, fruitless, empty, and doomed. Does anybody really want to live that life? I'm sure somebody that's listening to this today, that's where you are. Do you want to stay there? Is it working well? Do people in your family love you? It's a choice of that which is old and that which is new. In the New Testament, we read phrases like this, a new life, Romans 6, 4. A new creation, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, A new mind and attitude, Ephesians four twenty three. A new covenant. Hebrews 9.15, a new pathway, Hebrews 10.10, a new song that we get to sing, Psalm 149, Revelation 5, new, new, new. Already there have been at least three this morning that chose new and leave the old. And that's what a renewed life is. But sometimes... 
we just have to make a decision that I'm in, stuck in this rut or this pathway that I need to be renewed this day. Because this is a this renewal process happens over the course of our lives. There are times when we understand something, we see something, when the Holy Spirit prompts us to understand new. And so maybe you need that today. New. Leave something old. It's not working. You're not standing in the right place. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an understanding of truth in a new way that you see. Maybe your eyes are open. And we always want to have the opportunity to walk with you in that newness. That's what a church family is all about. So if you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, you've never put your trust and your hope in him, today is a day you can be renewed. And that changes everything. Because when the Holy Spirit lives in you, now you have a pathway of new and great decisions every single day. Or maybe it's just some other need that you have. Maybe you're facing an uncertain future. Maybe you're fighting an illness, something difficult, and you just need a family around you to help you see the power of who Jesus is. This is the eternal kingdom. And look, unless the Lord comes back, at some point, we're going to go into the ground. But that's not the end. You know how I know that? Because there is a new life in the resurrection awaiting. That you don't want to miss. So if you have a need at all today, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?